0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ideas On. So today, we're going to talk about lessons learned from live performance. And interestingly, all four of us have spent some time on the other end of an audience doing different kinds of things, although in different circumstances uh, with different kinds of audiences at different times. So uh, it should be fun to mix it up. Let's do a quick speed round. Uh, Olivia, start with you. Where'd you go with this one?
1: I'm coming from the point of view of a theater kid. So... We just talked about weird things I've done basically.
2: Okay, Jared. Uh, I talked about my history and live performance as well, uh, singing jazz at clubs and restaurants, but also the lessons that I learned about how when you when you are um, performing for an audience, you're kind of founding a temporary community, as it were, where everybody is drawing from the energies that you're giving off, the confidence specifically that you're portraying. Uh, in being human, so I sort of discussed how I learned to apply that through other art forms and endeavors after I left the world of live performance. Oh, well, maybe I didn't really leave it,
3: <laughs> Duncan. Uh, mine came from uh, years on the road with the band I was in uh, prior to, uh, or I guess in an earlier phase of my life, and rules of the road that we learned to live by that uh, certainly helped out with uh, either putting on good shows or enjoying ourselves while we were away from home.
0: And I kind of had a mixed bag. I mean, I I too spent some time as a musician uh, and thought about it from that perspective. I also thought about it in two other ways. W- one is, you know, I do a lot of presenting, a lot of public speaking, and that that is a performance art of its own in, in a certain way. <laughs> the other way I thought about it was, and I have certainly am not an actor, on the other hand, you know, we play roles. Uh, I have a role that I've played as parent. I have a role I've played as business leader. I have a role I've played in my as corporate executive and and as I, more of I thought more I thought about it is you know there's some performance going on when, when you're in front of any group of people you know even teaching which I've done a little bit of so i think it does season the broth a little when you broaden the definition well duncan i'd love to open it up with you let's talk about that rules of the road part that that's uh, interesting
3: my first one was uh, have a good time all the time that's a famous line from spinal tap but it's true that uh, you make your own fun, and if you're waiting for somebody to introduce you to fun, you're going to be waiting around for a long time. As part of that, uh, rule number two about that it's always better to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission allows you to self-start and create that fun. And as long as you're respectful and not too disruptive, uh, you can get away with an awful lot of things, um, especially if uh, um, with rule number three, act like you belong. Uh, if you walk into some place that you do not belong and you are wide eyed and your mouth is on, you know, your chin is on the floor and you're just gawking at everything, you're going to self-identify as somebody who doesn't belong very quickly. But, you know, you grab a jacket, you grab a road case, you just walk on in like you belong. Nobody's going to hassle you at all, whether you have your credentials around your neck or not. Uh, the fourth one about going with the flow is very important because um, you are not in control many times when you are performing. The audience is in control. Not only in terms of they're appreciating what you're doing, but they'll let you know pretty quickly when they're not appreciating it. And so then you have to make adjustments on the fly. You also have to go with the flow because um, if you do the same thing every night, it's going to get bored. It's going to get, you know, just it just very, very stayed. And that's going to come off in terms of how you're performing to the audience. So livening it up and keeping it fresh is very important. The notion about there's always a bigger fish is just to keep your feet grounded on the floor um (laughs) in terms of some of the stories that analogies that i shared weren't necessarily about us and what we were doing but you know we were just basically a fancy cover band we had a great time we got to go a lot of cool places do a lot of fun things but you know by always remembering that we got to get along famously with uh, a lot of other bigger bands because many of them started in the same shoes that we were so whenever we were talking about our perils of being a cover band, they would share their stories about how they first got started when they were playing in bars and stuff before they started writing their own material and stuff like that. It just gave us common ground to enjoy being around each other. And then the last one, uh, this notion about uh, knowing when not to play, that was just very important, you know, from a musicianary standpoint, it's important because, you know, putting it in space in the music and allowing it to breathe and knowing when not to play is, is the sign of a really good musician, but, uh, it's also important just in the sense of knowing when to sit back and let things unfold around you. You don't always have to lead. You don't always have to, you know, steal focus, whatever it may be. But there were some good rules of the road. Actually, um, after it got posted, I had a lot of good feedback from uh, folks that I was in the band with that appreciated it and knocked down with a couple more. So it was just interesting to, you know, have it as a lens to look back on and, you know, get reacquainted with some folks I hadn't talked to in a while. So it was cool. nice. Well, Olivia, it seems to me
0: like, and I could be wrong, but it seems to me like, Theater as a discipline is, is a bit different than, than the world of music. It's a little more structured. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yes. I don't know a whole lot about the world of traveling bands or whatever. So, but I will say a thing about theater that, first of all, I want to comment what you were talking about with um, life being performative. I also talked about that and I think it's so true and love to talk about it at some point. Um, Go go there, let's go there. Okay, well, first of all, social media as just a thing is complete performance. The whole entirety of the internet, we play a character. Half of our interaction these days is in these weird little screens. I'm a college student and half of the time, all my classes, except for my theater classes, are in little boxes i am a character i am not like actual olivia in those classes i am english class olivia and geography class olivia and geography class olivia doesn't talk she watches rocks and english class olivia argues and they're all different people various different characters that are true but a little bit off and then there comes the question of what is truth and what is reality, but that's an entirely different situation.
0: So let me, well, let me ask you something because that brings, so do you actually consciously think about managing those characters that way or is it simply organic and they show up that way?
1: Both. I feel that I am more conscious than I might be just because of the areas that I work (laughs) in. Um, I think about personal brand a lot. My friends make fun of me for it. But I kind of do, uh, like on the first day of a class, on my first day of my English class, I'm an English major, I really can't stand English classes. I I said something in class, I don't remember. It was probably something very contrary and argumentative about a book. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I've already established myself as this person. So I'm gonna run with that, just (laughs) like how in my stagecraft class. I have already established myself as the props lady, which I'm very happy about. Um, but I can't really speak to other people, but I don't entirely do that on purpose because it's just kind of what happens in life. I'm always weirdly hesitant to talk about acting because I'm a 23 year old person with a whole lot of experience and it's a really personal like art form, I guess, because it's so emotion driven, unless you're using a technique that starts with the body, because Some people start with the body and then that moves to, I don't really understand that technique. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. The emotional memory thing makes a lot more sense to me. What I wrote about a lot with my Weird Theater blog was that the entirety of theater is just problems happening and then having to solve them with no time or actual explanation and then getting really good at it. Cause you have to, and then suddenly, you know, creative problem solving. Mm. And theater gives you like actual proper life skills. Not that other things don't. Of course other things don't. (laughs) Of course other things do. (laughs) Um, But I have gained so much as a writer from being an actor. I've performed and I've done the tech side of theater. I did publicity when I was in high school and then I ended up working in social media. So that was some fate. And I've always liked making weird little sculpture things since I was a kid, I think. I used to, well, used to, I still do this. I used to make things out of tinfoil and just pound the tinfoil with a hammer and then wrap it in masking tape. Except now it's clay.
0: So it seems like to me that the gist of it is the whole pile of that is all part of the performance.
1: Yeah. You can't like, you can't
0: tease you can't tease the costumes apart from the props, apart from the sets, apart from the lighting, apart from the
1: art is ensemble yeah. work. Yeah. And it clock and if you take one part away, it will stop yeah. working.
0: Well, to that point you seen and unseen ensemble. Because you Correct,
1: know Correct, yeah. Um, and sometimes I think there is sometimes conflict between the onstage people and the offstage right. people, not even necessarily those people, but like the idea of well, actors don't need to understand how tech works and tech people don't need to understand how performance works. No.
0: The thing that's interesting to me, Jared, about your experience as a performer is, you know, and I've said this to you, you're an anachronism. You were born the wrong, the wrong decade, you know, for the kind of performance you do. So talk a little bit. About, I mean, do you embody a character or do you have this uh, cousin of Frank Sinatra vibe going when
2: you do that jazz work? You know, it's it's interesting. I think character building is something every artist does when they're starting out. And usually I think most people start out impersonating their idols, impersonating their hero, even if that's not what their title is, that's what mm. they start doing. I mean, when I started performing, it was basically my best semacrum of Frank Sinatra or Bobby Darin or Dean Martin. And you know, mm. what I learned in this, I guess will come up in next month's topic about storytellers as thieves. You kind of take what you like from those guys You study the way they perform, you study the way they enchant an audience, the way that they invite people in, and you kind of become this amalgamation of all these characters that that these performers certainly embody. You become a representative of all of that. And I think if you're good enough, you become something completely different that is distinguishable from the Frank Sinatra or the Michael Buble or whoever it is. um, And you become your own sort of thing. Jazz, I find to be very interesting because, or I should say, particularly uh, vocal jazz, there's not a lot of new songs that come out in vocal right. jazz. It's it's really more about putting your own spin on works that have, were written back in the 1920s and 30s and even before. So I think that building your character, you somewhat do through how you decide to interpret those songs uh, and, and what they mean to you. There's a song, it was originally written... Uh, as a ballad. Of course, everyone knows this song, Fly Me to the Moon. It was written as a ballad in the late 40s or early 50s. um, And, you know, it's very romantic, but everyone knows the jivey Frank Sinatra version where it's where it's really swinging and that's kind of become what it is. But when I would sing that song, particularly after I started working with bands and not just tracks, I would try and define myself through coming up with a new arrangement of the tune that, that had not been done before. And I think that's every jazz artist challenge. It's really every artist's challenge in general because there's nothing new under the sun. But I think that when you are a musician, when you're a singer, the, the challenge really does fall on differentiating yourself on what's come before because there's so much. And I think a lot of that has to do also with the confidence in yourself. You have to portray to people that you believe what you are a 13 year old cannot be frank sinatra no one can be frank sinatra because <laughs> of all the crazy hell he lived through um the women he was with i mean that is that is a singular life i did not have that at 13 i don't have that now but so i think that you have to i guess it's twofold you you decide who you are and also through interacting with the music you kind of discover who you are One of my favorite songs is called One for My Baby and One More for the Road. It's about a guy who basically his marriage fell apart. Now he's at a bar drinking. Uh, Again, I can't relate to that quite so much. But I had to sort of find my own emotional ingress into that milieu of the song to really figure out how to interpret it. And from that, I learned a little bit more about myself and how to portray myself to the audience. And that's the key because, again, they have to believe who you are. They can't believe that you're playing a character. They have to believe that you are that character unless you're really making it clear you're like a Charlie Chaplin or a Mr. Bean or somebody like that.
0: you know it's interesting because wh- where I kind of went and, and you you just gave one to me is I always think about easy on ramps for the audience, you know yep so so one is, and you've all talked about it, is confidence, right no really i'm I'm good with you audience. Another one is the whole notion of style. One of my favorite performers was a, a great guitar player, banjo player named John Hartford. John Hartford has actually a line in a song he wrote, but the line is, and if you like my music, that's because it's my style and styles based on imitation. That's right. I mean, you know, so you're right. We all imitate, right? I always, so, so what I always think about is, and I, and in the blog, I wrote about it, I talk about it. It's in, how do I create sacred space? How, how do I build a little village around me and this audience? So for the next 42 minutes in my set or the next 30 minutes of my keynote speech or whatever I'm trying to do, we're good, you know? And, and I think the key here is you got to make it easy for the audience to like you. you, you know, you really need to make, to kind of say, no, honestly, I'm very approachable. It's an easy to understand thing. I'm not complicated. It's real clear. Here's my character. A good theater, for instance, I mean, you know, Shakespeare is a great example. You don't ever wonder, now, <clears> hmm, <throat> that character there, Uh, you know, King Henry, I wonder, I went kind of, but who is it? You know exactly who that is, right? They make it real clear so you can get your head around it. Because the more the audience has to work, to me, the less likely they are to go with you, the less likely they are to spin that flywheel up and say, okay, yeah, that's good. In and, and either applaud for the tune or, you know, do whatever it is you want the audience to do with you. But to me, it's and you guys have all said it in one way or another, it a lot of performance lessons to me were. You better make it easy for that audience, because if in the name of art or in the name of science or in the name of whatever your objective is, you make it hard, they vote with their feet. They they, they go away, you know, even if they can't get out of the room.
2: Absolutely. Well, I think people, at least what I found, they really don't want to see you on stage, quite truthfully. They kind of want to see themselves. <laughs> They want to see, or at least they want to see what they want to be or maybe what they thought they once were. I particularly found this true because, of course, the the nature of the genre of music I performed, I performed in a lot of old folks' homes, a lot of senior citizens' clubs and things like that. And, you know, the things that they would come up and and say to me, it would be first, you know, how the hell do you know that song? You're a baby. But (laughs) it would would then turn into the fact, you know, I, I listen to this song when I could kiss my sweetheart goodbye after I went off to the war or, or something like that. And, you know, it brought them back to that moment and their touch point with that song. So when they're watching, you know, often, I, I think the sign of people that are really into it, I guess, particularly in something like jazz is they've got their eyes closed. They're not really watching you and they're bobbing along to the music and you just got to wonder what's going on in their heads. And I think it is them making that connection. It's their mind projecting onto the stage, that scene that that evokes and they themselves are quite truthfully, you're more or less the soundtrack of the stories that they've lived or have romanticized in their minds. At least that's yeah,
0: the other side of that to me was something Duncan touched on, but but I think any any actor, any performance, the other side of this you better own the room.
2: Yeah, absolutely. When you
0: step onto that mark, wherever that mark is on the stage, you better own the room. You know, I got this. You gotta you gotta get your arms around it and any concerns you had, any worries you had, any stage fright you had, any uncertainty Better be gone because they want you to own the room, right? Yeah, exactly. The audience wants you to lead them, but you you can't show any fear. If you go deer in the headlights on them, you're really in trouble.
3: Well, yeah. part of that is that, um, at least from my experience, is they honestly don't care who you are. And okay. so with that comes great cover. You know, I felt like Bert back from the old uh, – Comedy series, you know, and I'm invisible and I can get up, and give me a microphone, I'll talk to 10,000 people all day. It's not a big deal because they don't know me. They don't know who I am. I don't know who they are. So I can just talk straight through it, relate to them as a large group of people that we're about to entertain the hell out of. And it's pretty yeah. easy to do that. It's very different suddenly where I've got to go up and do a pitch to 10 <laughs> people who know who I am because they went to my LinkedIn page and I'm representing the company. So right. you know, that's when the sweat starts. It's you know, <laughs> stuff. So, So you to that end too, my and I say this all the time, my favorite medium in the world is still radio. Yeah,
0: because it's just me and a microphone. You don't think there's I've looked at our I've looked at our Q reports, there's 28,000 people hearing you just it's just you and the mic. It's easy, man. You just stay right in the right in the groove you're in. You know, once the camera points at your mug or you're out where they can see you, it's a little different.
1: The equivalent for me being a, a 23 year old. Uh, is podcasts, um, yeah. but and I love that stuff. But do you think you lose something of the energy of the audience? Because there's something going on in live theater right now with COVID times, which is that all the theaters are empty because nobody's allowed to go in there. And so there's the, the issue of how are we dealing with this? Mm-hmm. So people are taping shows. There are also Zoom plays, which is pretty neat which is are like plays adapted or written for Zoom. I haven't seen one. So it's, it's, a, it. it's
0: a theatrical genre written intentionally to be performed via Zoom. Be
1: performed via Zoom. Huh. And I'm not really sure how they audience it, but I want to see one. <laughs> I almost tried to write one and then I didn't. But moving on, the question is, is that theater or is that film? And we were talking about it in a playwriting class. And do you lose the audience energy because of theater – like, a live theater experience is, you know, a ritual between an audience and a bunch of performers. Something is going on. There is energy in the air there that if you have a bad audience, the show is going to be different. So with with a radio piece, is there an equivalent to that?
0: Well, sure. I mean, I guess Sp- spoken word performance on stage might be an equivalent. But you, you raise a fascinating point, which is, even within the the genre we call television right there's a because gig- I've produced both there's a gigantic difference between taped TV and live TV Absolutely. live TV is way more like theater
3: than it is like television especially when it, it, there's an audience because you can have taped TV where there is no audience and right. suddenly- you know, that's got a completely different vibe than when you've got to pause and let them finish laughing and then you're timing your entry to come back in, you know? Well, yeah. In the meantime, your producer's got their eye on
0: the clock because your segment time's timing out. You're going to go to commercial. I mean, it's... So here, here's what I think. I don't think any of that is either or. We've talked about it before, Olivia, is, is you know, if somewhere back there somebody said, well, radio's happened, theater's going to be dead. It Well, wrong. <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, Radio didn't kill theater. Movies and TV didn't kill radio or theater. The The internet hasn't killed any of the above. So it tells me, so in terms of lessons learned.
1: Musical theater didn't even kill opera.
0: Right. right, Well, neither did musical comedy, which is just sort of opera with different gags, right? So, I mean, and if you really want to extend that, because I was watching one the other night, Disney animated films are musicals.
1: Absolutely. Correct. Just yeah. musicals
0: with pitches, you and know, so.
1: The children to pay attention to the pretty picture songs. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and buy things. So, yeah, no, I think the, the nuance there is, and I maybe I say this because we're toilers in the fields of story and this is what we want to be true, but what those things tell me is there's sort of a bottomless well of interest in the human species in various story forms. It's like human beings keep yeah. saying, Yeah. Bring bring more. We like that. Oh, clay tablets? Good. Oh, shadow puppets? We love those too. You know, I mean, ballet? Great. We like that. I mean, it's almost like we've never gotten to the bottom of the appetite human beings have t- to be engaged with by someone who's willing to stand up in front of them and deliver some kind of an experience to them.
3: Yeah, I guess the fault of Arabian Nights was, it wasn't told the thousand and one stories. It was that during those 1,001 nights, he didn't suddenly say, hey, 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 enough with the stories. Do you got a dance number or something? (laughs) variety. Yeah, Yeah.
0: he didn't bust into a scat riff all of a sudden, you know. (laughs) You know, it's funny. Joni Mitchell had a great line once because, you know, she's a great painter besides being a marvelous musician. And (laughs) somebody yelled at her in a a live conference once, and it's on the record, says, hey, how come you're not still painting? And she leaned in the mics and said, because nobody ever went to Van Gogh and said, hey man, paint starry night again. What which, which she didn't say was, all of you guys just paid 46 bucks for me to stand up here and do this. Yeah. Nobody's doing that for my paintings. So where we all agree for sure is, um, Olivia, you had this experience educationally and we've all had it in different ways, but I can't think of anything more effective at helping people really get to a higher level of being a human than that experience at one point in your life at least of getting up in front of a bunch of people and doing something, right? I
1: I care so much less now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But in one way, yeah. On the other hand, I go the other way. I've got a, I'll call it a speech. I've got a speech and a workshop coming up that I'm doing for a bunch of educators. And, you know, they're educators. They're a little wonky. And I finally said, look, I may not be your guy. I'm not an educator. I don't know any of that stuff. I said, I'm basically an entertainer. I don't want to do this if you don't think these people are going to in, be interested in or get something out of what I'm going to do. I'm not a lecturer. You know, it's like like Alan Watts. Most people in the West know about Zen because of Alan Watts. If you ever listen to him speak, he's a British guy. And if you ever listen to him speak, he'd always start with, I am not a Zen Buddhist. I don't advocate that you become a Zen Buddhist. I'm an entertainer. I hope you find this interesting. So I I think that goes back to that. Every every guy who ever played guitar in a bar, every actor who ever stepped on a stage in a theater, part of the mantra going running in the background is, please, please, please please like me.
3: I don't know if I miss people liking me. I I missed the freedom from being on the stage where it wasn't me on the stage, so I was free to be myself, if that makes sense in a circuitous kind of way.
2: The adrenaline rush that it gave of the -the on-the-spot decision-making, you not only... To be con- you have to be confident that, you know, within a fraction of a second, you can recover from a hiccup. You can mm-hmm. play it off. You can make a joke out of it without coming off, especially a smarmy or glib. Not to <laughs> mention, you hope the bass player goes with you. Exactly. And be, But all being vulnerable is, is such an important thing, too. Also being able to acknowledge that. When I would make a mistake, I think audiences were somewhat more endeared to the fact that, you know, not, not that they would think that this anyways, but I wasn't a paragon on stage or something like
0: that. They don't mind if you make a mistake. They don't even mind if you own it. They really don't like it. If you say, oops, I made a mistake. Yeah,
2: exactly.
3: Now you've violated, you, you've surrendered control of the room, you know? And the only time you're allowed to do that is in the afterglow following the show where you're there with the guys in the band and the girls and you're just chilling out and laughing at who had a clam and what song and, you know, afterglow was always fun too because you have that like you said you've got the euphoria of being on the stage and living in that moment and then you've got yeah. the trough that follows after that where you're just basking in that afterglow not from an adulation stand, standpoint but just chill have a beer kick back laugh at what happened on the show enjoy it and then move on
0: the other side of that that i think people who've never been able to do any kind of performance have missed in their life is the opposite because there are those times when you you walk up going man, I was on, I, I (laughs) nailed every lick. I, where did that harmony come from? Oh my God. You know, could we ever do that again? Or heck, even if you're given a pitch, you know, I was telling you guys this morning, I gave a pitch this week. I haven't given one in a while. It was was a good one. I, I mean, and, and to your point, I, I'm an introvert, so I don't give those kinds of presentations. I've invented a character. He loves it. You know, I come home and my wife says, Hey, how'd it go? So I don't know. You have to ask him. I wasn't there, but I have this uh, character. One version of that character is I call him the Reverend Rodent. You know, when, when the Reverend gets up there on stage, he's testifying. You know, and I'm telling you right. when you that know. goes well, and I don't know if we close the deal or not, but when that goes well, you walk off going, amen, man, you know, yeah, we you got, got to, to the congregation. You get there's that a
1: thing floor. I've noticed in theater people, at least um, theater college students, who have drifted away from theater, they always miss it and come back. Mm. And I missed acting because I was like, damn it, being other people is so much fun. Um, (laughs) And I'm an extrovert. uh, So I kind of projected all my missing theater angst into cosplay where I could act Mm. and make things and get attention.
0: By the way, I'm so glad you brought that up. Look at that world. That's theater for everyone at all times. And that's my world interacting with your world. And, you know, and and I'll admit, I've only kind of eavesdropped on those, on cons and cosplay, but I'm fascinated by it because, again, it's a seven
3: or eight billion dollar industry. People like it. And you're also teeing up a future blog where we're looking at beyond immersive entertainment. Well, look, we probably
0: better wrap this one up. Um, But... One thing's for sure, I think we all definitely learned a lot from our our time on stage, our time in front of audiences. And, you know, I'm sure that informs our our work when we're designing work, when we're in the background. And it's just always fascinating to to take a look at it and just see what's underneath it. I'll I'll say this is maybe a parting shot. It is essentially human. We talk about it all the time. But that great ancestor of ours was probably male and covered with hair and about four foot three climbed out of the cave near the fire and pantomimed something because they wanted the attention, but they also needed to get something done. And it's just this very human thing to get in front of other humans and command their attention uh, in, in a respectful way. Next time, uh, poetry coming our way. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Thanks for sitting in. Uh, we hope you'll find us on YouTube. And please come check out our blog at Ideas On. And we'll see you soon.
1: Follow us on Instagram. Bye. Bye Bye-bye now.